Section eight of A Fair Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gabby Cowan. A Fair Mystery by Bertha M. Clay. Chapter eight. The Young Coquette. For some had perished in her stern neglect, fell on the sword of their own hope and died, while she, in triumph scornfully erect, swept o'er their ashes with the skirts of pride. Before returning to Brackenside, Doris had demanded a room for herself, and for this room certain furnishings she did not know that mark and patty would say to each other it is only fair since we have for her a hundred pounds a year but she did know that her will would be low to them she brought with her when she came back to the farm many little adornments purchases of her own or gifts from her school friends and these Mattie dutifully arranged for her, just as she had polished the windows and nailed down the carpet and ironed the curtains before Doris came. Doris never thought of helping her. She perched herself, Turk fashion, on the foot of the bed and issued her orders as a good-natured little mistress to her maid. Their work knacks for the toilet table pictures for the wall a little bookcase of hanging shelves your room will be fit for a princess doris said mattie for a princess said doris with a scorn if i were half a princess or only rich i would clear out the rubbishy things at once you might have them mattie since you like them I could have gold-mounted furnishings for my dressing-table, silk hangings, velvet carpets of holstery in plush and satin gold, white, pale blue. I could have exquisite marvels and pictures that cost a fortune each. But you never saw such things, said Mattie. No, only I have read of them, and find in myself a fitness for them. I could give anything for such luxury do not pine dear for what you can never have i may have it some day said doris defiantly but how would you get it by my beauty the world belongs to beauty mattie was shocked she was putting the books on the shelves and her honest face clouded she said to doris i fear your books are worse than known how did you come to get such books i have heard monsieur d'ambert say some of these were vile trash and i notice sentences in the others that are not fit reading for a young maid they are french said doris that does not make them better there are good books to be had in french and you have byron for your only poet I have heard our rector say Byron is unfit reading for girls. You ridiculous straight-laced creature! 
and I don't quite like your pictures, dear. The subjects are not pleasant to me. These French beauties were famous for vice. La Pompardieure and Diana and the rest. This Cleopatra is too scantily attired to suit my taste, and this Trojan Helen is not a nice picture. I would have chosen Joan of Arc and tender Margaret Moore, and sad Hecuba and martyr Margaret. Pictures should elevate our souls. My goodness, Mattie, had you been taking lessons of that gentleman poet you mentioned? Where does he live? At Lindenholm, his mother owns it, and came there two years ago, when she was left a widow. Her husband was a curate. Then I don't believe your early Moray is very rich. He's just a farmer. If he has only Lindenholm, I remember the place. Half villa, half farmhouse, with great linden trees around it. Does he write books? He has written one small one, Songs of the Countryside. I have it here. You can read it. It is like music. Ta-ta! I hate poetry. What does the man look like? Why, he looks as he is, a gentleman, a good man. I foresee I shall have a surfeit of goodness here. If the man is neither rich nor handsome, he will hardly pay to flirt with, unless one is desperate. To flirt with? cried Mattie, aghast. You would not flirt, Doris. And why couldn't I? Why, it is wicked, it is cruel, it is deceitful. Hear all the girl talk, cried Doris, flinging herself back on the bed with peals of music and laughter. Why, goosey, I flirted with every male creature I set eyes on at school. But I thought they did not allow such things. Allow? You will undoubtedly be the death of me, with your simplicity said doris sitting up her golden hair distractingly rumpled her eyes shining with glee her dimples dancing like tricky sprites among the deepened roses on her cheeks don't you understand that it was our chief aim to do what we were not allowed men i admit were scarce the writing master was engaged to one of the teachers but I flirted with him until she nearly cried her eyes out, and after he withstood me three months, he surrendered at discretion, and I laughed at him. The French master vowed he would kill himself on my behalf. The music master fell so compiscually into my power that the preceptress dismissed him and got a gorgon of a woman in green spectacles in his place. As for the dancing master, he played the fool and erred exceedingly whenever I was inside, so the girl said it was better than any theatre. Doris, I am ashamed of you. What else does that make so long as I am not ashamed of myself? But you will not act in that way with Early. Why won't I? Are you afraid of losing him? He doesn't belong to me said Mattie, blushing. "'How soon am I likely to see him?' demanded Doris. 
tomorrow every day his mother wants him to be a farmer she manages linden home now and sends him to take farming lessons of father father thinks everything of early and so does mother a farmer the game is not worth the candle i couldn't be a farmer's wife for anything i loathe being a farmer's daughter i don't said mattie with a spirit i am proud of my home my honest race my good sweet mother my dear father how queer said doris meditatively now i couldn't see anything to be proud of in all that i should be proud of a coach and greys and men in livery of suits of jewels of a french maid of velvet satin lace brocade dresses doris said mattie anxiously have you any soul soul if we cannot live without one and soul makes the heart go i suppose i have otherwise i don't feel aware of the property you mention i believe you are only jesting to tease me you were always brighter than i am and a real rogue you have higher ideas and better intentions and wishes than you say no really i haven't not one bit why then said poor mattie deeply distressed it must be your moral nature that is lacking moral nature that's just it said doris with infinite satisfaction moral nature i haven't any i think all the nature i have must be immoral i always side with the sinners in all the stories mattie had finished arranging the pretty little room doris jumped from her place on the bed really you have made it look very well considering what you have to do it with a sort of household fairy you mattie your name should be brownie now we will play you are my maid i am going to bed and i like to have my hair brushed a long time it is good for my nerves and good for my hair will you be my maid with great pleasure said mattie letting down the golden flood of doris silken hair how beautiful it is i think i am beautiful every way said doris calmly you are indeed said mattie without the least envy your hair will not brush straight it is all in wavy clusters you will brush it every night and then i shall like you surely i will brush it when you wish but i like you in all cases said mattie and i want you to be good dear and not flirt with early murray or other men i would not promise that flirting is my nature i will flirt with this early until he puts his heart in my hands and i will crush it up so as i do this rosebud and drop it so you watch and see how it is done mattie tears rushed to mattie's eyes she hurriedly left the room in love with him jealous oh delightful here is something to amuse me i thought i must surely die of dullness here 
but I can flirt with the gentleman and poet, and drive this preaching little Puritan mad with envy, and that may fill up a year for me. Then, if the prince has not come along to woo, I shall go out somewhere to seek my fortune. Anything but stagnation. I will go where no one in the name of praise shall follow me. Meanwhile, Mattie, in her own neat, snug room, sat in the moonlight mourning over the perverseness of this beautiful beloved sister and trembling for early Murray, whom she called her friend, and held far dearer without knowing it. How could any man help loving such a dazzling creature as these stories? And his manly, noble heart must then be crushed and flung away like that ruined rose? She looked up to the moonlit sky. There was her helper and her friend, she prayed. God, keep poor early. Then, comforted, she sought her bed and slept the sleep of fate. Doris slept the sleep of youth and abounding health, until Mrs. Brace awoke her. It is almost seven, dear. I let you sleep late this morning. This late? Now, mother, you might as well know I made my own hours for rising, and I will never rise at seven. Patty sighed and left her. She knew Doris would always have her own way. End of section 9 Recorded by Gabby Cowan